This is a Poets and Writers page one author reading. To hear more, visit us at pw.org forward slash multimedia or at soundcloud.com forward slash poets and writers. When I was 15, my grandmother kissed my cheek and whispered in my ear, may you never find love. It was a parting gift, like Jacob to his sons. She was trying to protect me. Koreans believe that happiness can only tempt the fates and that any happiness must be bought with sorrow. As for love, it is thought of as an unfortunate passion, irrational and destructive. Perhaps they believe this out of necessity to keep stability in a country torn by war and tragedy. Love was best described to me as the hibiscus in our backyard in Kentucky. Also called Korean roses, they were transplants that burned a tropical sunset color. They scampered along the fence in a blaze. The petals were delicate and translucent. The stalks were so thick they would tear and shred as they were cut, shaking the entire fence. To try to cut the blooms for the kitchen table was impossible. They were going to stay right there, not move, even as the sun burned them. Their endurance, the same endurance that made the flowers bloom brightly among starved bodies after a winter of war and famine was what led to their downfall, strength as weakness. My mother had banished weakness from her world. When my grandmother was pregnant with my mother, she had considered an abortion, but a fortune teller had told her the baby would be a boy. The disappointment of having a fourth daughter in a row meant that my mother was named Goodnam, or the end the harsh K like the sound of a knife. However, by being born at the end, my mother only pushed forward. I was too weak. I had her features, but softened. My grandmother's warning came too late. I was already fascinated by love and love stories. To me, romantic love seemed essential. I didn't understand how it could be destructive, and I dismissed the warnings as a sign of a repressed culture. I preferred the Western belief in a happy ending. My mother tried to temper my imagination with tales of Korean mythology and cautionary tales. The heroines were always strong, full of piety and sacrifice. There was Shim Chung, who sold herself as a human sacrifice to save her blind father and was rewarded by being reborn in a giant seashell. There was Nongge, a beautiful courtesan who danced an invading Japanese general off a cliff. She wore silver rings on each finger, and she interlaced her hands around his neck to keep him close, to make sure that he went over the edge with her. She laughed as she danced off the cliff, the trees her witness. Romantic love did not feature in these stories. They were an afterthought or a deficiency. Love, instead, was a sacrifice. It meant loss. It meant sorrow. Sacrifice, the giving of oneself completely. That was what was required. That was what was expected. And suffering, as a Korean, I was meant to expect to suffer. My grandparents escaped North Korea at the onset of the Korean War, leaving behind loved ones that they yearned to see for the rest of their lives. It's a common story, the people who fled, leaving behind parents and children, promising to be reunited, not knowing that the borders would close and all communication would be lost. Instead, they were left to yearn, to wait and hope, suspended in the waiting, 
a border, the 38th parallel. We all know this line of the hemisphere. I used to trace it on the globe as a child. Such a simple line, I think, and it had severed so many lives, created such separation. So for Koreans, to love means to mourn, to know loss. The sweetness of love is tempered by the knowledge that life will return with a bitterness to create balance to the story. My psychosis, for all its destruction and wrath, was a love story. It was a story of sacrifice, an obsessive search for my husband. I thought I was Beatrice, the one who was assigned to lead my husband through hell, and that my life was a sacrifice for his.